Welcome to our accommodations segment in the series. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain today. My fantastic guest is Emily from Emily Autism. She is the owner and the head hatwear at Emily Autism and Me. She is an amazing autism advocate. She is late identified autistic. She is spectacular and she is doing things in the world of accommodations to make our lives so much easier, especially when it comes to navigating public spaces. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are, how you communicate, finding your self-care plan from the inside out, and being the authentic creator of your best life. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream, saying no to outdated society norms, and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled, balanced, and more neurodistinct world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Oh man, I'm telling you, before we hit record, I was like, dang, Emily, we just had the best conversation. We should have hit record when we start. That's how it, again, it was fine. <laughs> I know we always have the best conversations every time we get together. And I love it because we both have had like tech challenges this week that have been like really difficult. <laughs> Absolutely. Technology, not my friend at the moment. Definitely not. <laughs> I have this thing I call the tech. I have the technicals and I have things called tech gremlins that live in my computer. And, you know, that's one of the things that we face quite often when it comes to accommodations. And that is technology access and, and the ease of technical support. <laughs> When it yes. comes to getting help for things for us, what are some of the things that you have found have been really helpful for you when it comes to getting some assistance or customer service without having to make a phone call? Because you and I both hate that. And I know both of you guys out there hate it too. And I know Vicky does. Vicky hates doing it too. We even talked about it this week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So if they provide an alternative method of commu communication, that's normally my... Uh, go to if I notice they only have a phone a phone number I immediately won't go to that company because I know that their, their access is not at the top of their list um or if they prioritize phone calls over emails I've seen that a few times so having that kind of chat box or something where you can just type in and talk to a person without having to pick up the phone and speak to that person that's kind of instant messaging that's a lot more accessible for me um if there's a guide that actually answers the question, that's quite helpful. Uh, my own tech issues this week were not solved by, <laughs> by guides. So I will say it needs to be a very good guide. And actually, if they have useful guides, I'm more likely to go back to that particular website more or more for that kind of support because I'm like, oh, actually, they, they care and they yeah. actually are making it easier. <laughs> Yeah. When the guide or the, the how-to has pictures that show yeah. where to find something and go step-by-step, step, and then they have like a video that you can also watch, 
to me, that's a game changer. Like I love the live chat customer service box. Like I've got a couple of, of products that I use for my business that have that. And that was one of the main selling points. They may not have known it, but for me, that was one of the main boxes that they ticked for me. Because if I have to make a phone call and go through some automated system and all this kind of rigmarole and selecting a number to figure out where I'm supposed to go, you've lost me because it ain't happening. Yeah, absolutely. The reason why I chose the platform that I use for the things for my business, again, it was based on the support that they offered because the other one, it was not brilliant. (laughs) I won't name names, but it really was not fantastic in terms of how to actually get support and it just took you round and round in circles and they didn't really answer the question um so yeah I would definitely say that's not a product I will use willingly (laughs) yeah and that's a really big part and I think that we all sort of navigate that through our experience especially as late identified autistics Emily what I love and I want you to share with our our Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show community today is how you started your business, Emily Autism and Me, and what you do, who you serve, and what you're trying to change in the world. Because I think this is spectacular, and I want everybody to know what you're doing. Yeah, so Emily Autism and Me just started as an Instagram page three days after I received my diagnosis, so I didn't really hang around. I just went for it um, three days later. Um and realized that actually having done lots of training around autism over the years, I'd never related to it because it was always about boys under the age of 10 who were non-verbal or non-speaking and they liked trains and computers. Um, We've already talked about the tech issues, (laughs) so obviously not me. Um, Really never, ever related to them. I never had any experiences of adult autistics or anything like that it just wasn't being talked about um despite kind of working in the education sector for years and years um so really wanted to change the narrative and actually say this is what being autistic actually is like (laughs) um it's not about having somebody who's read a book on autism and thinks it's okay to do impressions of autistic people I don't need to do an impression because A, that's insulting and impressions are not my strong point, but B, I am autistic, so I don't need to impersonate myself because that would be a little bit weird. Um, So just to really change the narrative and actually say, this is what being autistic is like. These are the gaps that actually exist. And having experienced all these access issues myself for the past 28 and a half years now, it's about changing those places and putting in those accommodations going in delivering training delivering consultancy to these big public spaces that I'm sure we've at any one time willingly or unwillingly been thrust into and become completely overwhelmed by an environment which I know so many people if it's and the big thing is always is it wheelchair accessible And I think people see wheelchair accessible as fully accessible for everybody. (laughs) Um, I've sat through so many kind of presentations where people have gone, our site is accessible for all with a picture of like their front entrance. And I've just gone, 
well, that's not, and neither's that, and neither's that, and neither's that. So, <laughs> so you're not fully accessible for all. So yeah, just really wanting to change that and, and go in and give that personal side of things to hopefully make a difference. Well, I think you are making a difference one presentation at a time. And that's, yeah. that's spectacular. So when you're looking at public spaces with the consultancy eye, you know, with the critical eye of, okay, sure, you've got a handicap ramp and you've got doors that automatically open. You've got all these things. So you think you're accessible, yet there's these unseen disabilities that are there that you're not missing. What are some of those big items that you usually pick out that, that public space planners and designers are missing, Emily? So I think in, to give the example within kind of museums, that's kind of like my background. So that's like my, my passion um, area, if you like, is big things I look out for are the sensory environment. So I think a really big thing in quite a lot of museums is to have kind of speakers descended from the ceiling that activate when you walk underneath them, which is fantastic if you're not bothered by sudden noises. But I jump in far too many museums now so that's usually the first thing <laughs> me too I have a very sensitive startle response my phone is on total silent it doesn't even vibrate because I will jump out of my skin I will scream like somebody is trying to attack me if I just hear the slightest thing and you know it's it's really great because I'm a huge museum person and I love to go to the museums that's one of the things like when I travel I the destination is a museum for me <laughs> Yes. And that's one of the things that they, it's great for, you know, if you've got interactive things and I love children's hands-on museums as well, those are really big, but there's so many, like the excessively bright lights that glare down those speakers that come on when you walk into a room, when you're not expecting it, or the volume is at such a pitch that it's, it like almost shuts you down on a sensory level. Yeah. And having automatically multiple, screaming inside. Absolutely. And having like multiple different ones as well. There was one exhibition where it was all about sound. And we were mentioned, the autistic community, we had a tiny little mention that we might find noise difficult, but it was the loudest, most sensory, <laughs> like hellish environment I could have potentially imagined because um, the lights it went from being really dark to really bright as well and it was just and the text panels it was kind of like the contrast wasn't brilliant to be able to read so that's another thing that I would look out for as well um, so yeah absolutely it's like little things that I don't think and a lot of the time you think this has gone through an access panel who, who did they ask to be able to do this? Like, it, like I know the process. It's a long process. So it, yeah, confuses me that it still gets approved by access. Yeah. So in, in a lot of these things, you know, for public spaces for us, because that's kind of what we're talking about today, we don't recognize what our need is in a public space sometimes till we get there especially if it's a newer, a new environment to us, you know, we can sort of prepare in certain ways for things that we know in the past from experience have been a challenge or difficulty. So having noise canceling headphones, you know, uh, maybe having glasses that help decrease 
bright light, making sure that you've got um, some STEM tools or something to help sort of focus and that you can do in your pocket or, you know, if you do it out, it doesn't matter. I mean, to me, I'm like, I will STEM all over the place. I don't care anymore. <laughs> and I don't care. I'll be glad to tell you about it because you probably need one too. And you, had, and you hadn't realized it yet, whatever your neurotype. Um, but, you know, when we get there, sometimes there's things that we haven't planned for. You know, and I know a lot of the things that you talk about on your uh, Instagram pages when you're in public transportation and the challenges that you have faced with public transportation, what are some of the things that you've learned? What are some of the things that have helped you sort of navigate, like in retrospect, looking back, like, especially when you've had to change buses, somebody's giving you really bad instructions, you know, the loudspeaker comes on and things have changed and the platform isn't what it was saying it was on the, on the screen. I mean, these things will, I have, I have gotten lost, derailed and short-circuited in a train station because of these things. What are your insights on these? Because I know you've got them. Oh, absolutely. Public transport is one of the up there for me for things that definitely need accommodations. Um, it's, I think for me, it's about having a plan in my own way and a backup plan as well. So I have kind of the train app on my phone. I have the bus app on my phone. I also have Google Maps because I don't always trust either of the first two apps. So I like to have a backup as well or another Maps app um, if kind of you prefer that just to be able to say, okay, so if this bus doesn't turn up, I can get onto this one. And I'll always, if somebody says, oh, just go over there and get that. I'm always like, are you sure? And I'll, I don't take if somebody shouts the information at me it's usually for me a sign of I'm not going to take that information partly because if you've shouted it I've probably not taken it in anyway um so and I think the loud kind of in a train station when they say the plane that the plane not plane <laughs> totally different thing uh, the tra- next train to arrive at platform I don't know 12b has now been moved to platform 16 and they give you about two minutes to change I think with that, it's about I would wear my sunflower lanyard in that instance and make sure that all staff in the station see it as I walk past in the hope that at least some of them know that that's going to happen. And I think music as well, when I'm actually, if I've then got overwhelmed in that changeover, um, is a really good way to kind of regulate how I'm feeling. Um, I did actually have a very recent experience with horrendous trains not turning up and being cancelled. And I think in that instance, one thing that I am going to keep going when I as I go forward is making sure that somebody sees that I've got onto a train or sees that I've got onto a bus. So if there's something goes wrong, I have got that person to talk to for reassurance. And I have been guilty of... um, I was going down to the other end of the country, the train halfway, it was a five hour train journey, two and a half hours in, they said, oh, there's a fault on the train. The train had been there, the fault had been there since I got on the train two and a half hours previously. So you need to get off this at this platform. I just remember ringing my mum, it was in Birmingham, and I just went, I'm in Birmingham. I don't want to be in Birmingham. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Help. And she went, I'm nowhere near Birmingham. I can't help you. So have that person make sure that you get on another 
on the train. Um, oh, really like, important. See, honey, I'm two and a half hours away. I can't yeah. help you. I'm sorry. Yeah. She's like, I don't drive. I can't just get in a car and drive to Birmingham to help you. So, oh my yeah. gosh, um, yes. Yeah, that probably wasn't a very good picture to paint of Birmingham, but it was just because that was, I'd never been It was the situation. It didn't help, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's one of the things too that's a really big uh, challenge for me in public spaces. You know, I've traveled all over the world. I, I've lived in London until, and I love public transport because I hate to drive. So that's one of the things I love, but it's also one of the biggest challenges because there's so much change. And for me, I have a auditory processing delay. So when I hear things over the speaker, especially if there's a change that's being announced and it's, and it's being updated on the board, perhaps it's the signage of being able to easily identify the map of the station or where you are and have it, have it to be very clear in a very quick scan without yeah. having to like read the legend and then figure it out. And it's the print is like a 10 point and you can't even see it. You yeah. know, those and types they're always of things. really high. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I'm almost six feet tall, so I, I'm okay with the hype, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, it's just, it's a really tough thing to navigate because I'm panicking at that point in a lot yeah. of ways, because you've just changed what I had already planned out for the last hour before I got to the train station to make sure that I knew where I was going. I was earlier on time. And now you've completely basically pulled the rug out from under me. And I'm having to switch gears very quickly, trying to process what has been said on a speaker and then also find it on a map. And I get lost. And I was talking to a really good friend of mine yesterday and we were both having a, we had both had a conversation recently with our partners where they were both expressing, you know, Hey, we kind of do worry about you guys. (laughs) And when you go off by yourself, because you do tend to get lost (laughs) because I will call, I have actually, this is recent and I even have Google maps and I got all the stuff that tells me where to go, but sometimes it tells me the wrong way to go or I get confused or flustered because it's auditory and I need to have the hands free to be safe in my car. So it can be a challenge. So I'll take the wrong turn. I took the wrong turn and I ended up in a city (laughs) that is not my own. (laughs) And I, there was no, I couldn't figure out a way to turn around or get off because there wasn't like an off ramp and then get back on. So I went all the way to a totally different town in order to turn around and come back to where I live and then go back to where I was headed. And this is not an unusual occurrence in my life. I mean, I've been in foreign countries translating a language in my head, trying to process auditorily where I'm supposed to go and I'm still ending up somewhere. And it's, I, I, I finally got into a place like I would just navigate and I would be really embarrassed and I would never want anybody to know that it happened. Like I got lost a lot. I just never told anybody. Yeah, before because I didn't yeah, know. I'm all right, but now, yeah, I'm now. I'm just like I got lost today, you know, blah blah. blah. Yeah. but it's 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 been a big relief because it was a shame thing because I thought, oh man, what's wrong with me? Why can't I seem to get somewhere? Everybody else seems to just navigate and use Google and Maps and all this kind of stuff, and or somebody can look at a train map and they know where they're supposed to go, or they can get a bus schedule and they navigate where they're supposed to go. And I'm like, it is a huge ordeal for me it requires so many steps and planning and this kind of stuff in my head. And if something goes wrong, then 
I end up in the wrong place. And that, that is so upsetting or something happens midway. And there was such a big part in the internal self-accommodation that I was not going to ask for help because I didn't want anybody to know that I couldn't figure it out. And now I'm at this place where I accommodate myself and I make those adjustments. And one of those things is if I'm traveling somewhere new that I've never been, or if I have to go in, there's places that it's going to be making choices for, you know, bus terminals, train terminals, all these kind of things. I make sure I got a travel buddy. Yeah. If, if it at all possible, uh, or I notify if the airline or somewhere, if I'm flying, I'm going to need someone to meet me at the gate and help me yeah. get to the other side of Dallas Fort Worth because it's two miles from one place to the next. And I can, I'm, I have disabilities and this is not something I can navigate on my own. And I got 20 minutes to do it. So you guys better have the golf cart. <laughs> yeah. I'm not walking two miles in 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I'll run. That's no problem. But I don't know about whoever you're going to send because, you know, they're not always as in good a shape as me, maybe. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, we're going to be late. And I'm trying to hurry. And the poor person behind me is about to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've also done it where if I can't have a travel buddy on the day, if it's close, obviously, if it, not if it's a plane journey away, that would be not cost effective but to do the journey in advance with a travel buddy so I know and I can in my head visualize the different places I actually have to go um that really helps as well and then I can text that travel buddy on the actual day and say I've made it to this point (laughs) I'm now doing this (laughs) um or people will tell me which platform I need to go to in advance as well as being helpful because I don't get the train that often so it is a big thing for me if I have to get the train um so I'd more than often get the bus really Mm -hmm. can be and you know I so many of my friends like you in the UK and overseas talk about the sunflower lanyard and I have so many friends that have it there's a lot of people here in the states that get them as well And it is a fantastic program. It is a really wonderful organization that is trying to make sure that people with invisible, unseen disabilities have access in public spaces and and people can recognize that, oh, hey, this person was going to need some extra help. And in most of those public spaces, airlines, you know, airports, train stations, bus stations, public areas, most people are starting to get trained, the employees and the staff are getting trained to recognize what this means when they see the lanyard, what those accommodations might be and how to offer those and ask, what can I do to help you if at all, or if somebody comes and asks for help, that those things and those services and accommodations are accessible and available to us. It isn't as prevalent in the States. And I I know that there are so many advocates out there working on that. So Emily, from a standpoint of if we're in a public space and let's say we may have a lanyard on, we may not have one, and we're recognizing that there's some accommodations that we're going to need or something's not working and we need help. What have you found is a really good way to start communicating with the staff and also how to turn around after you've gotten back home and maybe respond and give feedback and help share what those accommodation needs were that we faced 
to help and express to the company, hey, you may want to look at changing this because sometimes they're just not aware of it. What's a really good way to go about doing that? Because how do we self-advocate in this way? Because you're excellent at it. Oh, thank you. Uh, Yeah, so one thing that I try to do before I go to kind of preempt any needs that I might have is to have a look at their website and I will say that most websites, when you click on accessibility, do not mention hidden disability at all. So, I mean, I recommend doing it, but I'm also aware that whilst I am pushing for that, um, it's not always something that is on there. Um, So if I know what some of the issues might be, I can kind of plan that in my head and go in prepared with my own kind of things to help my own accommodations um if it's for example our local supermarket at the moment seems to have turned the volume of the music up considerably um and I've been about I've been planning to write an Instagram post on this for a while but every time I write it I get so annoyed that I've stopped um because I try to come across professional (laughs) and I don't think what I was about to say on those posts would always be particularly professional um so yeah it's been about immediately finding somebody and communicating that need and saying you know what you don't our local supermarket doesn't have a quiet hour so there's absolutely no time I could go when that music's lower so why does it need to be this loud getting a manager getting them to turn it down next time if I go in I'll be going to find that manager again and just keep doing it until the message gets across about sending afterwards it would be kind of contacting them writing reviews and then I have posted reviews on my blog um to kind of really spell out kind of my experiences in these places of of what's going on and what can be changed and what could be better um, some have responded really positively to that um, there's a, a wildlife park who responded really positively and thanked me um, I am going again in a few months so I'm hoping to be able to say that yes they've made those changes and that would be amazing um, to be able to obviously I'm not saying to advocate for yourself you have to write a blog <laughs> afterwards uh, I'm not saying that at all but just if there's a way that you could in, a, in our own preferred communication methods, it could be saying thank you on the way out of the shop. It could be filling in, I know museums sometimes have like comment cards or if you, a lot of museums now where you have to book in advance through Eventbrite or through their own website will actually send you a review form afterwards. Um, obviously some of them aren't the most accessible. Um, so I'd point out the review forms not accessible if it's asking you like 40 questions and you were there about half an hour. Um, but just put in that form, look, thank you for, for taking my access needs into account. So just finding a member of staff, maybe who isn't all grouped together, they're really hard to find, but find a quieter spot if there is one, speak to a member of staff who kind of maybe isn't with everybody else so they are easier to talk to one-on-one um or just having if something comes up in conversation same supermarket my self-checkout wasn't making any noise and I thought this is brilliant I have been waiting for this to happen for years and the lady actually came over the member of staff and went why is your thing not making any noise and I said I don't know it just isn't and she turned it back on 
And I said, but why would you do that? I said, knowing that the, that option's there, why are you not telling people? Her response was not as positive as the manager. <laughs> I don't think she quite got that I was saying. Not everyone wants to be constantly told while they're trying to pack their shopping away, please take your items from the bagging area. No, <laughs> no, just give me two seconds. I didn't need telling all that information and they're not synced up anyway. So it says it all at the wrong time. So yeah, oh, it does. And they're so loud and yeah. I, I love it because here in the States, they actually have a mute button and they have a volume button control on the touch screen for those self-checkout things. But the thing is, every time I get to one, it's already, the volume is all the way cranked up. So if I don't catch it right away, I have to turn it down and it already makes me jump. And then it's constantly blaring at you to check your bagging area because it doesn't sense the light items. It drives me bonkers. It's so annoying. And I think any kind of voiceover thing, you just, like I, there's a one of the bus stations when I've got my noise cancelling headphones on, I don't know if it's the frequency of the sound, but it does something to the noise cancelling frequency in my headphones. And it gives me like severe earache and it like really, it makes it painful to wear the headphones. So if I could speak, find the manager of that particular bus station, I'd love to have a a little conversation about the fact that that really hurts. Um, Obviously not just saying that really hurts, but saying why. Um, So yeah, just having little conversations and not, I mean, be prepared to repeat yourself over and over again is not probably the most positive thing to say, but it's a realistic thing to say. If somebody does it first time and remembers every time, amazing. If they don't, just keep going for it. Um, And if it's a booking form and they've got a comment section, try putting it in there. If you're not comfortable approaching them, I often put my access needs on a booking form as well. Um, And then that way I've got written confirmation that I've asked for them. And then I can say, look, you didn't follow these. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's really good. Well, and you know, you brought up a really important point too, when you were talking about, I haven't posted those yet because I was still upset. You know, that's one of the things that I've noticed for myself and and self-advocating as well is when something happens and I get really upset about it, like when it is something that I have, it has really pushed a button. I'm not thinking as clearly. I'm just still in the emotional part. My my higher cognitive critical thinking is not turned on. So what I say may not always come across in a very nice way, maybe more accusatory and a little mad. And that doesn't solve a problem, right? That actually puts someone on the defensive and then they don't hear what you say when you're coming at them on the attack. So what I've learned in sort of the self-advocating for my accommodations is, yeah, you can still be upset. You know, you can still have emotion behind it. But just kind of take a beat or two to get yourself in a clear critical thinking space because that actually helps that service because the other person isn't even going to hear you if all you're doing is mad and yelling at them. And the other side of that, too, is that, you know, in accommodation, one of the things that we have to also look at is both sides of this because there is harmony in accommodations for both sides of acknowledging and pointing out what's not working, but we also have to start reinforcing and encouraging 
the accommodations that people are putting into place and when they do take our suggestions and they do make those changes to acknowledge, to take the time to go, this is spectacular. This changed my entire visit, you know, that you guys took the time to respond or to put this in place or whatever is going on, even if it wasn't something maybe that they might even know that if you acknowledge it and say, thank you. And wow, this was huge. And this was, this really helped my visit because you guys have this, they may go, Oh, wow. We didn't even recognize that. That's something that now we're going to pay attention to, to make sure we repeat in our other locations. And we are still advocating. We're still helping even through praise and acknowledgement and, and gratitude as well as pointing out places and room for improvement, right? Absolutely. And I actually think I'm just, again, on the museums thing with kind of their front of house teams. If you think about it, they must get so many complaints a day about people that can't find the toilets or things in the cafe being too expensive. So actually, if you come out and on your way out, turn to one of them and say, do you know what? That exhibition was absolutely fantastic. It was really accessible I really liked this part of it and I'm really glad I came. That's going to be remembered more than all the complaints because you're going to stand out. Um, I have done that. I do because I know that being front of house isn't easy in a museum as well. So I do it for that reason as well. But yeah, absolutely. Point it out. Everyone likes being praised. <laughs> like, oh, well, no, maybe not not all the time, but it's nice to hear things that you've done well. So I think, like you say, we are advocating, even if you're not saying, oh, I still didn't like this, could you do that? You're actually saying, do you know what? You met my access needs today, um, which is empowering for you and it's empowering for the public space as well. So yeah, really important. Oh, and I love your choice of words on that empowering because that is exactly what it is. And that's what this segment in the series of accommodations is all about. It's about empowering each one of us to advocate, to recognize within ourselves what those accommodations are and to let go of those, I can't ask for help and the shame and all the stuff that comes with being late identified in our life. And also being able to step up in empowerment and owning and sharing and really advocating for those accommodations that we do need in public spaces, because sometimes that's one of the most intimidating places to start because it's this big space and it can be a bit overwhelming and a little intimidating. So Emily, I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing, for the speaking that you are doing, and for the huge leap that you took to start a business when somebody said, that's not going to work. And you're like, I will show you this will work because there's a need for it. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So Emily Autism and Me is a fantastic business and you would be supporting an autistic entrepreneur. So guys, if your business, if your environment, if your public space is looking for accessibility consultation, if you're looking to train any of your employees on front of house engagement for access and abilities, make sure that you check out Emily Autism. She's on Instagram, but have a look. Thanks so much for the work you do, Emily. And thank you for being here today and sharing your insights on accommodations and public spaces. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Hi, my name is Carol Jean Whittington. And I am one half of the Coaching Cafe Academy team, along with my coaching partner, the amazing Ali Arena. And we want you to join us in this life-changing community coaching experience. 
This is the first neurodistinct program of its kind designed with autistic and ADHD brains in mind because Allie and I are neurodistinct. We have opened the doors to the brand new Coaching Cafe Academy and they will only be open for a few weeks. We want you to be a founding member. The Coaching Cafe Academy is the perfect neurodistinct home for anyone looking to learn from and with people who speak the same neuro language and where we all understand one another's perspectives. If you are looking to leave behind the tips, tricks, and empty promises of neurotypical communication and relationship experts and ready to enter the real world of the neurodiverse communication ecosystem for neurodistinct humans, where translation of neurotypical and neurodistinct communication becomes a clear language where all neurotypes are seen, heard, respected, and understood, then this is your home. Enter the home of authentic connection. This isn't just a course. It is a central community of authentic autistic and ADHD connection that is warm, vibrant, and full of kind, gentle, and patient people just like you. Hallie and I are fully involved, totally hands-on, giving support and guidance every step of the way. Take some time to read below and discover just how the Academy can help you to have the best year of your life. If you have any questions, just send them over via email to coachingcafeacademy at gmail.com. Use the subject line Academy. We are here to help. Why not start 2022 in the best way possible? Join us in the Coaching Cafe Academy. And we will continue this amazing journey together. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audi so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.